As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to a special edition of Laz and Powers. I am Mark Lazarus, joined by Scott Powers. We're of The Athletic. And we are joined today, uh, uh, the day before the last game of the uh, Blackhawks season, by Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson, uh, who was nice enough to give us, give us some his time today to talk about the big picture, all the small pictures, all the prospects Scott wants to talk about, all the good stuff. Uh, Kyle, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's an exciting day for uh, for me and uh, the Blackhawks organization here. A couple, little bit of front office news uh when we're taping this but um yeah in good spirits and uh happy to be here well let's talk about that let's uh, today the, the big announcement was uh, Jeff Greenberg the Cubs assistant general manager is now the Blackhawks associate general manager and I know we talked last month about you know kind of thinking outside the box and outside the traditional quote unquote hockey man uh persona for the front office what does Jeff bring to the to the organization yeah well i th- i think first of all he you know, he, he does share uh, our vision for the future here. And um, while his past experience and some of his success came in a different sport, he's he is passionate about hockey and the Blackhawks. He brings really valuable perspective um, and, and, you know, has, has great experience in, in a path of what it takes to to win the right way. Um, you know, he brings some strategic, I guess I'll call it sophistication to our, our hockey, hockey operations group. Um, he's going to oversee a lot of the systems and, and, and the different processes that, that will, uh, you know, arm the, the entire group, uh, you know, not just maybe scouting, but scouting development, uh, coaching and, and, and every other area, um, using, you know, data tools and, and information, um, you know, 
needed uh, to make to make decisions, you know, uh, both big and small. So really excited. How did this come about where it's it's unique where he's obviously a finalist and Danny and Jamie uh, were interested in him. But but for you to, you know, to, to, I guess to choose someone that was you know up for the job as well as you, where, where you know, how did this stem from? Where where did it kind of come in that you uh, you know, you thought of you know, him joining your staff and what, what's what been the process to uh, interview him and then kind of come around the idea that, you know, baseball, uh, someone in baseball could, you know, do this in hockey. Yeah, well, uh, from the start, my intention was to bring some outside influence uh, to the staff. And at the inception, I didn't necessarily know what form that would take. Um, but right after I got the job, uh, Jeff reached out just congratulating me and um, we we just kind of stayed in touch for a little bit and eventually got on the phone and, and started talking. He was down at uh, spring training with, with the Cubs in Arizona and just, you know, started talking about just not really the jobs or, or anything in, in particular, but talk about hockey and, and, and our paths. And they were, we were so aligned on so many things that after our first conversation, I just started thinking like, you know what? This guy's pretty interesting. He's really smart. He's got some great experience, and and that type of profile and his his um, his skill set is is something we we need. I need around me, uh, and and the fact that he had worked in baseball and seen the build uh, from the ground up on, on some of these systems and and the the construction of some of the processes that they've they've put in place over with the Cubs. It's it's the exact type of profile I wanted to add. And then just, you know, as we developed that relationship, I got really, really comfortable uh, with him as a person because in the end, you know, we're going to spend a lot of time together. And so you have to be very comfortable with the person, um, you know, personally and professionally. And I think he really, really fit uh, the profile that I wanted to bring in uh, from a, from a skill set and a competency standpoint. But then once I got to know him and, um, then we brought, uh, you know, Norm McIver and, and Brian Campbell in to to kind of get to get to know him as well, and 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 we all, you know, really really clicked right away, and it was it was a great fit right from the start. So it was very organic in in how it came about, um, and and I, I, you know, he was kind of my my number one target, I think you could say, right from the right from our first conversation. I'm so excited that it that it worked out the way it did. You said he brings some organizational uh, sophistication, I think is how you just put it. What's unsophisticated about the way that the Blackhawks do business or just in general? I feel like hockey is always a little behind the times with other pro sports. What specifically is unsophisticated? Yeah, I, I, yeah and I don't I don't mean to to downplay or, or denigrate what what the Blackhawks do or what what the the hockey industry has it's more so that baseball is just ahead of ahead of hockey in in many respects especially their use of information and how it's integrated throughout the whole operation in in you know in his case at the cubs the baseball operation and then we want to bring that and learn from from his experience and and how um how baseball does things uh, you know they they've they've really found a way of, of measuring things that that hockey has not, um, you know, and, and how how that crosses over and transfers. We're, we're going to do, you know, there's going to be a lot of trial and error and research and development in that process. But the way of doing things and, and the structure of, of how you integrate information and, and you, you utilize information, how you store and, and 
access it. It's all very transferable across any sport. And to have someone that's that's seen that build, uh, been through it before, seen what works, what doesn't, what sequence it should it should go in, uh, is it, 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 it's going to save us a lot of time. But we're also just getting someone that's that knows how to do it and, and sees sees the value in it, like I do. And and so there's there's that really aligned vision and and in building out the team around myself. Um, I, I've, he was the perfect complement to bring that outside influence um, and really. Uh, you know, bring bring the the I'll, I'll call I'll use it again the sophistication that that baseball has in in some of these processes that that they that they employ to hockey and to the Blackhawks. So he, he you got the job that he wanted. Uh, is he just coming here to sabotage you to get the job two years from now? How is this going to work? Going to go to your shoulder and yeah. all? I, well, <laughs> no, I have a little more confidence in myself that he'll, he'll be taken over in two years. But no, but you know what, my my. My philosophy is I want the best people around me and to have someone personally, I think I've got with Norm and now with Jeff, I've got two people that I think could be GMs. And mm-hmm. so I want to surround myself with the best people for uh, for our group to make the best decisions possible and have people at that level and of that caliber and of, of that varied skill set. I, I couldn't think of a, a better group to have. Um, you know, obviously, Jeff went far in the process here. Because um, you know Danny and, and Jamie and, and and the group that that ran the GM search saw great potential and upside and 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 value in what what Jeff brought to the table, and I saw that as well. And so it, it wasn't something that when we met, I was I I disagreed with. I agreed wholeheartedly, and and I understand why he went as far as he did in the in the GM process. And so um, you know I I just want the best people, and I think he's the best person for the job, and and that's who I want around me. And so that's I'm really glad to be able to to execute on that. Not to give up any Cubs or now Blackhawks secrets, but is, is there any real life example you can kind of see where this applies to a, a different way of thinking of metrics or a, applying them to hockey where it, it works in baseball? Um, you know, I think that just their general use of technology is is just so far advanced. Their use of of uh, video analysis of biomechanics, uh, biometrics, and and you know, uh, just just how their sport is measured. And and let's let's be honest too, baseball is a sport that's much more easily measured and evaluated through through the use of data and information. But just those the familiarity with that technology and with those information systems, we're gonna find out, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna really test this thing where we can derive. Uh, predictive information out of the the information that we receive um, in, in hockey, and and that's that's the goal is is you know it's not going to be some magic bullet that we find. It's it's going to it's going to be over time. We're going to be uh, producing and hopefully finding information that that makes us or helps us make better decisions. And and you know Jeff's been through the life cycle of that in baseball, and we we think. Uh, that experience is, is really going to be able to transfer to hockey out as we go through a similar process and trying to find that predictive um, information uh, to help us make great decisions for the hockey team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, well, let's uh, let's transition to the ice here. And uh, obviously, obviously, the focus is on younger players going forward. This is a rebuild. You stated it could take a little while here. But we need to talk about Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane first, the older guys. Um, the focus is on them. It's going to continue to be on them. They're both eligible for contract extensions July 13th. Uh, what do you see their role here for the future? If and, and do you see a role here in the future for them? Yeah, it, well, I think the, the the first thing is that, you know, we've had some very, very general high-level conversations with with those players. Um, and, and I think we're going to get into more specifics uh, as we move forward. I don't think it's it, – it, it's what we're doing and, and their role in it and, and how they – see their role in it is it's a very complex thing. And so th- this is going to be a series of, of detailed conversations that are going to occur. Um, I think, you know, the, the first of which will, will likely be at the exit interviews. Um, and then, and then we're going to see how that fits. You know, we're going to be very pr- transparent and I'm going to be very transparent with, with them about our plan and, and the methods at, by which we're going to, we're going to attack this thing. Um, and, then it'll be up to uh, them to to respond to that information accordingly and and decide how we want to move forward and what the best role is for them. So I think it's it's very much um, in its infancy still uh, determining where we're at and and how they see themselves uh, playing a role in that. Um, so you know it's it remains to be seen, but but we're going to keep that dialogue very open, very honest, and 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 answer any questions that they may have in terms of, of, uh, you know, what we're doing and, and where we're headed. So, but we're, we're still waiting to hear if they want to be a part of it. Do you want right. them to be a part of it? I guess that's the other question here that we haven't really got to. Well, yeah, I, I think there's, look, there's great value in having them part of it. I think it's the, the main part of that is informing them how we see their, their role, um, you know, as part of that and what they can do to help us, in this transition and in this phase of the organization's trajectory. So we have to have that conversation with them, how they, how we believe they could assist and how we believe they could be part of it. And then it's up to them to determine if, if that's, uh, you know, amenable or they're amenable to that. And if they're, if they're part of that, or if they want to try something new, like that's, that's all up to them, but that's part of the, the ongoing conversation that's going to occur as we, as we get into the off season and into the summer as well. Some something that we heard, I think, throughout this week from you know, especially Kane and Taze, was the idea that they're hopeful the rebuilds, you know, it, it ends pretty quickly, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and and you get that as a player why why they're coming at that way, and and certainly maybe how the how how it was done before it was more of a retooling, you know, this thought that you know something could be longer. How you know I I know they bring up the Kings and and, and but even you look at the Kings, I mean, they had three pretty dismal years before they they got things back on track. Um, what what do you feel like is a realistic timeline? I mean, I mean, objectively, this feels like it, it could take a little bit for for you to replenish the pipeline, and, and you know, things uh, may have to get worse before they get better. And then, uh, on on top of that, how do you 
I know you've been preaching patience to fans. How do you how do you preach patience to veterans and and I guess especially Canon Taves who um, have won and, and probably see their window of winning you know coming to an end and you know like uh, don't want to fully comprehend what what a rebuild might look like. Yeah, you know the the funny thing is 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 and I understand the the uh, interest in a timeline and and but we're we're right at the start with this thing we're right at the right at the beginning and you know i i haven't had this job full time for very long it's been a pretty you know quick you know we're we're already talking about fast tracking the the rebuild yeah. i think i've been in the job for about 6 weeks now and so um you know my my intention is to do this the right way and to build it to the point where we can be successful and we can sustain that because I'm not interested in in just rushing back to hopefully have a chance at the playoffs and then we fall off again. You know, we want to do better than that. And that that likely takes time. And, you know, I, I like you said, I understand why players would want to get there quicker because they they want to win. I do, too. I, I want to win as well. Um, I'm looking at it big picture and trying to sustain things, though. And so. That might my timeline might be a bit longer than theirs. What that timeline is, I think, remains to be seen. We have to see how the offseason goes, how the draft goes. We've got the lottery on the tenth. That's a that's a big uh, point for us um, in in May, and and so we'll see how that goes. Um, so you know, timeline is is something that's very in flux and and really depends on you know the players we bring in and their development and and developing them the right way. Uh, you know, selling selling veteran players on that. I, I don't think uh, I'm I'm looking to sell them on it. I'm going to tell them what we're looking to do and why we're looking to do it, and 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 give them the information that that I'm dealing with and and my thought process. And then it's up to players to determine if they want to be part of that and and, and if they want to uh, play a role in that. And so I'm not looking to sell them on it. I just want them to have all the information available to make the best decision for themselves. If that's in Chicago, awesome. If, if that's, you know, elsewhere, then, then, you know what, that's, that's some, that's a bridge we'll have to cross, but it's the timeline. The timeline doesn't change, uh, you know, based on, based on, um, you know, discussions with players. I think we just have to do things the right way we have to follow the, the right process on our end to, get back to being a quality team and sustaining that quality over time and not rushing back uh, just to say, you know, this isn't a race to the middle. We're tr- we're trying to get back to the top and stay there. So that's, that's the uh, end goal. I, I think, I think any rebuild is going to need some veterans to kind of, you know, usher the players in, teach them to be professionals, all that. But you got a lot of these guys. You got, you know, on the defense, you've got Seth Jones and Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy. You've got Tyler Johnson up front. You've got Kane and Taze potentially. You've got to bring it. Are there too many veterans on this team? To, I mean, can't do you what what in your mind is a is a good structure for rebuild? How many veterans? Like, what's the ratio of old guy to young guy? How many young guys do you want in the lineup on a given night? Like, how do you how do you measure that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that's an interesting question. I I really believe that's a lot of that is determined in my opinion by the push that the young players put to make the NHL and stick in the NHL and so if you know where we are in our trajectory we're going to do what's right to put the young players in the position to succeed and if 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 that's 
leaving them in Rockford, then we need veteran. We need players, first of all, to fill roster spots. And we're not just going to force feed and, 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 and put young players in there because we're rebuilding. So we have to play young players, you know, a rebuild doesn't necessarily have to happen um, with the players that are going to play the, a major, major role down the road. They don't have to play at the United center next year to start, right? That doesn't have to occur on the United center ice in all for all these players. So you need players, uh, good influences in the, uh, in the locker room for when they do come in. So I don't necessarily think you can have too many, um, veterans. It's more so, you know, there's, there's a conversation to be had if there's, and it's a good problem. If there's so many young players pushing to the NHL that require NHL spots and they're being blocked, that's when the question comes, do we need to, do we need to, you know, clear some room for them? But we're, we're a ways away from that. And, and, you know, we, we need to take our time with the prospects to develop them the right way. And if we've got too many good veterans around in a rebuild, that's, that's not a bad problem to have. And we do have some really good veterans here that, that are, that are great examples on, on what it takes to succeed at the NHL level to, to prepare as a professional and to set the example for some of these young players when they are ready. And so we'll cross that bridge when we get there with, uh, with, the quote unquote problem of having too many young players <laughs> ready for the NHL, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. So the sense, the sense I get is Kane is looking for a reason to stay. He doesn't, you know, he's a, he's a Blackhawk. He's always been a Blackhawk. He's talked at length about, he wants Dylan Strome back because he likes playing with him. He talked this week about, you know, if I'm playing with Alex to that's a reason for me to want to be here because right. I like playing with him and I get you know, and, and it works like, does that factor in? I mean, do you, you know, Patrick Kane is still an all world player. I mean, he's, just, he's, he's going to be an all world player for years to come. The way he plays He's not going to drop off the way some veterans do. Um, is that a priority? Not not catering to Kane, but making Kane want to be here just because of his stature. He sells tickets, which matters in a rebuild. Like all these factors. I mean, do you have to placate Patrick Kane for lack of a better term? Um, you know what? I, I think, look, I, I think in the end, we have to do what's right for the Chicago Blackhawks long-term. And um you know, I think we always want to be respectful and be and, and be mindful of the players we've had, especially players that have done so much for the organization and the city, uh, like a player like Patrick Kane has. Uh, but we also have to be mindful of the uh, the future of the team and and how we want that to look. And we, you know, we we can't we can't just keep everybody around just to say we kept them around because in the end we finished where we finished with, you know, this team and we have to make changes. We have to change some of what's going on and, and add, you know, to our prospect pool and, and figure out how we get back to that next level. And, and so, you know, everything's on the table, everything's under consideration. And I think we have to look at the future of the Blackhawks and, and not out of any disrespect to, Patrick or Jonathan or, or who they may want here or not want here or, or what have you. We just have to do what we think is right from an asset management standpoint moving forward. And, and that's going to be the focus. Um, again, not, not that we aren't taking, you know, these players, these all world, you know, future hall of fame players, opinions into consideration because it all goes into the mix, but we also have to balance that with, with what's best, uh, 
in the long-term future of the organization. Are, are you looking at guys that, uh, I guess at Debrinkit, like, do you, do you see his him as someone that on the other side of a rebuild, like you need some players who are here during it or, you know, guys at a certain age that are, you know, like, can you project out that far to, to say, you know, this guy, you know, he, he's good enough to be here in, in five years or however long it takes? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think you always are looking, looking to the future and, and, uh, the thing about, you know, let, let's not kid ourselves. Alex is one of the premier goal scorers in the NHL. He's very young. We look out in five years. Yeah, of course. He's, he's going to be a great player. So, and, and so we have to map that out both from a roster standpoint, uh, a talent standpoint and a salary cap standpoint. And so there's lots of considerations that go into that. Um, but there, there's nothing wrong with continuity through the the life cycle of of a, a rebuild um you know i think every every case is different um you know you have to you have to evaluate each player based on where you see them projected in your lineup uh, their value internally versus externally and then kind of make decisions from there but I, i'm not of the belief that because you're doing a rebuild everyone has to go and everyone has to be new that that's that's I think that's uh, that's not valuing and, and evaluating your current players properly. I think every every player is different, but just because you're embarking on a rebuild doesn't mean you have to. Every every single name has to be new in five years. That's that's not necessarily the case. It, it's just kind of um, you know you have to make decisions player by player and and see uh, what the long term short term value is of of. Of maintaining them from a salary cam standpoint obviously you'd probably like to come up with a clean slate but you you have seth jones contract at 9.5 the brink it's maybe going to cost you that How, what, what challenges does that bring i guess uh, knowing that you already have two guys that you're probably a little bit maxed out on and you, you have ken and taves contract for another year but and kind of their next contracts are up like what what's the challenge of of that during a rebuild or, or is that even a challenge where uh knowing that maybe you're not adding on other you know, UFAs are, are acquiring guys with or looking to acquire players with large cap hits. Yeah. Um, look, the salary cap is the great equalizer in, in our sport. It's, it's, it's a, it's a major factor. Uh, cap space is one of the most valuable assets you can have in the NHL these days. I think over half of the NHL ended in, in LTI, uh, you know, over the last year. And so it just shows you how, pinched everyone is. And so with, with having some flexibility moving forward in the, in the next few years, I think we have to be mindful of that and we have to try and maintain that. So that's a, that's a major consideration. Um, Hopefully we, we bring in some young players that we have to budget some major funds for, because that means we're bringing in some pretty high end talent. And so we have to be flexible and agile in our budgeting and, and very, uh, discerning with 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 how we spend our salary cap dollars you don't want to start that process too late because it can get away from you pretty pretty quickly it's cap space goes away real quick and so um you know it's it's a major consideration uh, it, you, you without the money you can't afford the talent and so we want to acquire the talent but we also want to keep the talent and we want to keep them here as long as possible once we once we do get that that young talent so it's a, it's a major consideration and, and it's something we're always uh, gaming out and, and projecting and looking at and, and evaluating the, the, the costs and benefits of, of 
certain uh, contract decisions, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's always a, a constant uh, evolving discussion in terms of, of, of the cap. But I think for the next little while, flexibility is, is a major priority for us. Are you tired of the word rebuild? And do you wish you never said it in the first place? Cause it's like, we have to put in every sentence and every headline and every story and every question of every player. And it kind of colors everything you're doing, right? Like it's got, it's, what does this mean in the context of the rebuild? And, you know, I know right. you wanted transparency, but do you already regret that? No, no, I, I because it, it is what it is. Like, I, you know, I don't want to color it or, or, or put a different name or, or, you know, because that's what it is. It is a rebuild. And, and I think rebuild is thrown around a lot when, when someone new goes into a situation or, 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 you know, a team looks like it's, it's time to hit the reset button, but uh, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm comfortable with it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thrown it out there at the introductory press conference if I didn't want you guys throwing it around all over the place. So it is what it is, and and that's what we're doing, and and so it's it's okay to call it what it is. So I'm 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 good with it. So the in the context of a rebuild, obviously, it usually coincides with the word tanking, and I know that players right. don't tank, and you know, but teams often put themselves in a position not to win because it's better mm-hmm. in the long run. Right. If you win the draft lottery next, was it May tenth? And yep. you don't have a first round pick next year. If you're not in that Connor Bedard sweepstakes, does it change the way you look at next season and even this off season? I don't think so. I, I really don't. Um, you know, I, I think they're, we're going to have to evaluate what comes our way this summer, regardless if we have a first round pick in 2023 or not. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're going to avoid anything because we don't have a 2023 first round pick. If it does help us down the road, I don't think that's, that's something I'll do. Um, you know, I honestly, I think we'll probably do exactly the same things, uh, this summer or, or explore the, you know, the same things this summer. If we win the draft lottery, we don't win the draft lottery. It's, it's almost just, you know, that's for, that's, that's for the, the strategy in the amateur scouting department to alter their, 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 um, their operations. And, but from, uh, a management standpoint and what I'd like to do or, or, you know, what we'd like to execute based on what comes our way this summer, it's not going to change anything. But beyond your specific job and what you're trying to do, losing is a much tougher sell. If you don't have kind of a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. I mean, can you imagine if this team is, you know, as bad as a lot of people are expecting it to be next year, and there's no promise of a top pick next year, that's going to be that's a tough sell. Oh, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. I, I think, you know, not, not to be blunt about it, but please be blunt. <laughs> we, we, we are where we are in the standings right now with potentially no first round pick. And so it's yep. tough. It's, it's, it's exhausting. It's no fun for me. You know, as much as we are in a rebuild, I don't like losing. I, 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 I hate losing. Um, I want the Blackhawks to win. And so I, I'm trying to, to, you know, I, I still have to wrap my head around on, around the whole thing. Every time I, I leave and see, you know, you leave the United center, it's, you, you don't, you don't win, you know, it, it's, it's just, okay. This is part of the process. Unfortunately, this is where we are. This is why we're embarking on what we're embarking on. And we're going to make the decisions to get back to where we want to be and find that success that we all crave. We all remember those times, you know, of, of leaving the United Center, you know, on a comeback or 
a Stanley Cup and, and how great that feels. And it's winning is a drug and, and you want to get back there and you want that feeling in the arena, around the office, around the locker room. We all want it. And, and that's the mission. Unfortunately, we are where we are. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're just not up in the standings. So we need to make some hard decisions that that may not, you know, aid in winning in the short term, but we believe might help us get back to where we want to be quicker and, and, and stay at that level longer. So that's, that's the intent. That's what I always come back to for myself because no one's trying to lose. Definitely not. It's just kind of that that's, that's the the symptom of, of, of where we at in our rebuild and, and in our trajectory. With, with, with the coaching decision, what do you, what do you expect the process to be for you after the season? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're going to, um, do some, uh, do some other, you know, work right after the season ends. We've got some amateur meetings. We'll get to the, um, get to the, uh, the draft lottery, but all the while we're going to be building, um, you know, the profile of, of, of what we want and, and what we, what we'd like to, uh, find in our, our next full-time head coach and coaching staff as well. So that that's going to be the immediate, uh, uh, mission is, is to build that profile and 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 really set those uh, expectations and standards of what we what we want to find in the next head coach. And then it's going to be um, let's build a a candidate list based on this profile that we've created. Um, you know, and even before we we build that specific profile, um, we know that Derek's going to be one of those people. Derek's going to be one of those people on the on the candidate list. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be a process that'll, that'll probably extend into the summer. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to put a timeline on, on it, but, um, you know, I think over the next two months or so, we're really going to drill down on, on specifics of, of, of traits and, and characteristics and expectations, and then build our candidate list off of that. And then obviously conduct, uh, interviews and, and, and in the hopes of, of finding, uh, you know, that, next head coach for the Blackhawks. How, how would you assess what how Derek's done so far? I, I think Derek's done really well. I, I'm I'm really happy. It, it was it's a tough spot to come into. Um, you know, given the start, given everything that was was uh going on around the team, you know, myself being interim for a while, that's not easy. Uh you know, I I think the the players responded really well to him, his personality. He was the I think he was the right person at the right time for us. Uh, he, he really lightened things up, made, made coming to work fun, uh, for the players, I call it work, but, uh, you know, coming to the locker room fun and it made, it was fun for me too, to be around Derek and to, you know, to get his perspective on things and, and just to have that levity, you know, I know it's not, it's not going to be a a core, uh, you know, having, having a a good personality is, is great. And having a good sense of humor is awesome. It's not going to be part of the job description. Uh, for the next coach, but it really does help, you know, especially the situation he came into. And so that, that was great, but, you know, on the ice, what I see is players are battling. They're, 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 they're still fighting. Like, you know, that game against Vegas, that team, our team had every reason to not show up, you know, but they found the motivation and, and that's, that's through, you know, that's through Derek and, 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 you know, really getting these guys up for, a game that for all intents and purposes doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things to them as players they're 
they've, they've got one eye on the off season, but you know, he's kept them on task and, and, and working hard and, and, you know, we've, you know, pulled out a good result last game and that's based on the effort and based on the, the, the push that Derek's put into the room. So I've, I've been really happy with Derek. And, and if, if I wasn't, uh, pleased with what he did, he, he, we wouldn't string him along and make him uh, a candidate in the, in the, in the head coaching search just because, um, so he he's earned to be a candidate for the, for the job full time. Do you have to tailor the hire to the situation? Like, um, like Joel Quenville would not have been a good head coach for the Blackhawks in the mid 2000s. Dennis Savard was perfect because he kind of let the, let the young guys run free and there wasn't as much pressure. But then once it was time to win, he was out the door and in comes Joel Quenville to get him over the hump. Do you have to tailor the – are you looking for a, a caretaker, a developer, or are you looking for someone that, you know, a proven winner already who might want to be – try to step into this? I mean, do, do you have to tailor it to the situation? Um, I, I think to an extent you have to tailor it to the situation, but we're also not – you know, the thing, the thing that I've been commenting me commented to me is, is, Oh, you know, you're looking for the next ex head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, no, no, we're, we, we don't, we're not looking to like, okay, this person comes in for three years and then we get rid of, right. No, we're, we're looking for someone to come in and grow this team and, and take them to, to the next level. We're, we're looking for a long-term solution here, but they have to fulfill a certain uh, element uh, of, of criteria that we're looking to to fill, um, we haven't fully developed that yet. But uh, I think the, the, some of the things that are are really important are, um, you know, communication. I think is huge nowadays, especially um, with with players and and delivering your message. And uh, I think a, a good understanding of of where we're at as well and and what we're trying to achieve is very important. And and um, also. Uh, you know, just a, a, a interested to hear their their takes on style of play and how how that might mesh with with um, some of the things that that we're thinking and considering and and uh, and and wanting to to potentially employ moving forward. So I think there's there's a, a number of things, but we're not looking for a caretaker. I, I think that's that would be uh, that would be a disservice to the players uh, and 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 to the long term vision. We're looking for someone to come in and 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 really grow with with, with our, our, our team and our organization and, and, and push this thing forward. As far as the profile on, on the coach, super open to that, very open to, to where that person might come from, what type of experience that person might have. Um, you know, those, those are all things that we'll, uh, really drill down on when we actually interview candidates. Uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're gonna, we're gonna leave it very open-ended and, and try and learn a lot as well on, on what could work that maybe someone something will surprise us maybe uh, maybe some nothing will surprise us but we have to get in the room with these people and talk to them and and hear different perspective different thought different ideas and and then go from there you made two pretty significant changes within the in the pro and amateur scouting with with Ryan Stewart and Mark Kelly departing mm-hmm. what 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 was behind those moves and and do you do you have a different vision for those scouting departments going forward um i think it's just time for a new a new voice uh you know in in both staffs uh i think in in mike donahy we brought in someone that's that's paid his dues uh that that deserved a shot to be uh running his his own draft and so really excited about uh about that and then just 
in general in scouting, we we wanted to change some philosophy and change some some of the things we were looking for in in players and 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 the players we wanted to bring into the organization. Felt that was best delivered through through new channels and new new voices, and so that was the, the thought process behind that. And um, you know, I think with with some of the the new things that we've we've pushed out to the scouts and and things we want them to look for, the response has been great. I, I think we're we're really on a a good track of understanding what we want uh, moving forward from from a Blackhawks player that we bring in. So uh, it's it's been it's been really good. It's positive change and and um, just just good new messaging uh, processes that are going on. Is there anything specific you're looking at a different player? Like what is just I guess from a scouting standpoint, just uh, traits or characteristics, physically, mentally, or yeah. I, well, you know, I think in general we want we want players with high compete, high character. And then the other thing is speed. We really want to enhance the speed element of our team, uh, especially uh, up front and, and even more specifically down the middle of the, of the ice. We, we, we want to bring in speed element um, and, and really increase the tempo that the team plays at uh, in the future. So those are just some, some very general things, but um, high compete and speed. That's that's what that's what uh, you know. We're kind of new emphasis the scouts is on. Okay, I need to preface this by pointing out that as I do every time that Kirby Doc is just twenty one years old and he's a pretty good player already at twenty one years old. But there's a bunch of twenty one year olds out there kind of wrecking the curve. Do you have any concerns about where he is and what his ceiling might be after the last couple of years? No, no, I I, I don't have uh, concerns about his ceiling. I, I you know I think it's been. Uh, uh, you know, a disappointing year for Kirby. I think he's outlined that he's had some, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a tough, a tough one in, in terms of production. I'm sure he wanted to, you know, put up some more points and have a bit bigger of an impact, but look, I think we, we talked about it in, uh, before the Tampa game, uh, was that if you're looking at another team and, and Kirby docks on, on another team or, or, or he's in, in the league, like those are traits you're going to throw in with. He's big, he's athletic, he's skilled, he's talented, and he's still very young, as you said. So those are traits that you st- you want to throw in with. And as much as he, I'm sure, would like to have produced more, and yeah, of course, everyone. Oh, would you? Would you? Would he? Would he want? Would we want him put up seventy points? Like, yeah, but like, you know what? not everyone's development is, is linear and not everyone's development is the same, especially for players that are, um, have those bigger frames and bigger bodies. Sometimes it takes a little longer for them to adapt, uh, into the NHL and get settled and, and realize, you know, the physical element that they can bring to the game and how to impose that at the NHL level. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy transition to move, especially, you know, for any player from, from junior to the NHL right away and then develop under the circumstances that, that, you know, you're trying to live up to whatever he might want to try and live up to, you know, that's, that's not easy. And so we recognize that. And, and we, we still hold a lot of promise for Kirby because he does have the talent. He does have the physical skill set that, that, that we, we covet. And, and so, you know, I'm not, I'm not down on Kirby, you know, he, he's, he's still in, in, in great stead with us and, and he's, He's got a lot of upside. We all see it. And, and, you know, I think this summer is a, a good chance. Like Derek's mentioned in the media, little reset, you know, have a great summer, come back refreshed and, and show 
show everyone what what he can do. So we're we're excited for that. It really just underscores how critical when you have a top three, top five pick like that. I mean, you go back to the last time the Blackhawks were in this situation, they got Kane and Taves. And that right. made a huge difference going forward. Like you, you don't want to have these opportunities very often, but you got one or two here. It just kind of how how much pressure it is to make a pick like that. If whether you get it this year or next year, if you have a high pick like that, I mean the pressure to get it right is immense, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We, you know, being being where we're at and 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 you know, going into whether it's 2022 draft or 2023 draft, and, and we've got a high pick, you want to cash in on that. There is no doubt about it. There's it's it's high stakes because that player is going to be, you know, should be a, a cornerstone of of your team down the road. And so you want to make that happen. You want to deliver on on that high valued asset, you know, from a draft pick perspective. And so, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's high pressure. It's just you need to do it. You need to cash in and, and you need to find the value when you're put into those situations, because you know, not only do they have restrictions on the number of lotteries you can win in a certain time frame, but you also don't want to be down to the bottom of the, the standings over and over and over and over again. You know, you're down there, you're going to get a good player as, as a result, but then you want to use those, those players you've drafted at that, at that draft point to start uh, ascending. And so it's very important as far as pressure on, that I feel I don't necessarily feel that pressure, but it is a duty to get it right. How do you, you know, with when guys are in Rockford, the the I, I guess we you, I have a better understanding of developmentally how you work with them with Mark Eaton working marks with them or, or Anders or whomever in in the NHL and, and in the past it seems like it's been a challenge to develop players at that level. You know, I know you have Ryan Kane and some guys that, that work like that, but once they get to the NHL, like the focus becomes on more of the day to day and, you know, working with a team framework for a guy like, you know, like Kirby doc or Curtis ever, you, you, you guys have obviously promoted, promoted a number of players and twistle and down the line. How do you, how do you continue to work with them developmentally? And, you know, how can the Blackhawks maybe help, you know, Kirby get to where, where you guys want him, you know, and from that perspective. Yeah, no, I, I think for any player that comes to the NHL, I don't think development ever ends. A lot of times development is is uh, synonymous with amateur or or pre-NHL. I don't I don't see that as the case. I, I think there's while I don't think the NHL is a development league, I think players can always improve at the NHL level. Um, it's you know, we it, we have to do a better job at at providing them the tools to improve, and that's that's definitely something we intend on doing. Whether it be through information, additional technology, um, resources through coaching, you know, we're going to grow that area. That's something that that I really want to enhance, and I think that's actually an area that Jeff Greenberg is going to be able to provide some some good insight into because the way they provide information to their players. Uh, you know, either either through informational deliverables or, or or technology, is so much more enhanced in in a sport like baseball. And and in some of my early conversations with him, there's there's some new, uh, you know, there's some things we can do that that are transferable and some information that that we can provide to our players to help them grow their games to see where they can improve. Um, you know, you, all you want is incremental gains, especially during the season. It's so hard to make monumental changes to a player to like really hyper uh you know uh enhance their 
their development or, or their improvement, but there's little gains you can make along the way. And I think technology and information um, to the players is how you best do that. And, and baseball is really good at that. So I think Jeff's going to be a great influence in, in, in bringing that to, to the Blackhawks. You've been very generous with your time. I, I one more thing I wanted to ask you, because I mean, you're 33, like 33, is that what it is? That's right. And, yep. and you've got, and you got your dream job here. What sucks the most about your job? What, what, what has surprised you that you just hate about this job? I thought you were going to ask while Max Saloon off. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the, uh, the, the post-credit scene. <laughs> um, There's gotta be some aspect of it. That's just miserable. You know what? Not really. I like, I know it's probably like you think it's probably BS, but it's all, it's all been great. I, I think the people I get to work with on a day-to-day basis, both in hockey and business, like getting, getting to work with our hand in hand, with our scouts, with our development, with, um, you know, soon to be with, with, with Jeff and, and just learning from all them, learning from Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz. That's so exciting. And, and, and it's, it's been great for me. Um, yeah, there's not really much downside. Like, what kind of hours are you working? <laughs> okay, maybe that sucks. Maybe that sucks. <laughs> no, like it's it's all good. It's long hours, but like that's that's ho- that's that's sports. That's hockey, and so yeah. I, I love it. I, I I couldn't ask for a better um, a better situation, uh, a better support system internally. Uh, it, it's been it's been fantastic early on, and and so we're. I'm just excited to keep working and, 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 you know, the, the early, the early work that we've done has been, has been really exciting and, and just makes me really, really optimistic for the future. And, and, you know, now that we're really starting to, to assemble this, this team off the ice, I think it's really gonna, uh, you know, really gonna do us, uh, do us wonders and, and, and put us in, in, in a good spot moving forward. So no real downside, you know, check in in a couple of years. We'll, uh, we can we can reassess that that answer, but right now I'm like you said I'm 33. I got the energy. I can handle the long hours. So. I was, was going to ask you which GM you dread hearing from the most, but I knew you wouldn't answer that one. <laughs> no, just no, <laughs> no, all good. Sounds good. No, Kyle, appreciate you doing this. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson. Um, Scott, what's 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 your big takeaway from all that? Yeah, I, I felt like we got some more details, and I, I think that was my uh, objective in this was was hearing more about the scouting and and the um, you know the plan. And, and he was he was a little bit vague on the Caden Taves thing and or even the coaching, <laughs> but it's it sounds like some of this is still on the fly. You know, like he he mentioned he's he's only been in the job for so long, and I think um, you know there there's a there's a one for a lot of immediate answers, and and he's and he's being truthful that it's uh, they're still figuring some of these out. But I I thought it was interesting just you know some of the scouting changes and how. Um, you know, how they see even Jeff, you know, Greenberg kind of being implemented into this. But yeah, I, I feel like he, you know, got into some more of the details and um, and, and some of that's probably just come with time, too, since we've last talked to him. But that that was that was interesting to me for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've been obsessed with the Kane and Taze angle for almost a year now because I think that's just the most compelling part of all of this. And he really left the door open for both those guys to be gone. Didn't he? I mean, he didn't come out and say it. And he certainly said he would welcome them back in the right situation. But he is. He is really opening the door for if they don't want to be here, we don't want them here. We don't need them here. And even if they do want to be here, it's distinctly possible that they might not be in the plans. And, you know, he said all diplomatically and he gave all, all the respect those players are due. But uh, he's he is he, there's certainly the word untouchable is certainly not going to be leaving his lips anytime soon. It's going to be fascinating at the draft. It'll be fascinating in mid-July and it'll be fascinating when the season starts, if and when both guys are still here. It's going to be 
it's going to be an interesting process to see how that all plays out. I think it's interesting. I guess continue the word interesting, but uh, to the fact that he's not other than saying that we're going to rebuild it, like there's no committing, and I and that's probably something he may he may have learned early in the process, or even from Stan Bowen that I, I don't think you want to put, you know, like you don't want to say like this guy's untouchable. Or this is. Uh, you know this. This is how this situation. Is you don't want to paint yourself out. into a corner, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, I think that's how they got to where they are, right? Like it, it became that players are untouchable, or that you became that you want to appease Canon Taves, um, or or you know, like you you wanted to promote promote the guys who were first rounders, and and that's and that's ultimately how this situation, you know, that they're in came about is that there were too many. Uh, too much too much waffling, and then also too many commitments. The feeling that they need to win now. Um, and, and yeah, this is this may suck. And I, I, you know, I guess the other point that I thought, and I'm not sure he was exactly telling the truth of of how they, if whether they win the lottery, like that changes things. So I, I think it does change things slightly. I think that yeah. I, I don't think they want to walk. Uh, you know, Aaron Portsline and I wrote about today, but I don't think they want to walk Columbus to a generational talent potentially. Or I, I do think what happens at this at this draft because it, it it changes a little bit too of just. Not having a first round pick, I you know, like it it it, it does change things too. So I, I I I think that stood out to me. But overall, yeah, it was uh, I I I appreciate his honesty and yeah. he's as open as he's being with us. And yeah, he's um, he's being smart about it. He's he's in full command of the situation here, but he's not you know locking him in anything, and he's not you know he's not he's not really BSing too much. I mean, there's always going to be some corporate speak in there and some you know dodging, but he's he's pretty straightforward about it. he he fully understands the gravity of the situation, the the immense mountain in front of him. Uh, and the work that's going to be needing to, to 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 get over that, and you know, like you said, he's like, we're not trying to get back to the middle; we're trying to get back to the top. I think if you're a Blackhawks fan, after five years of trying to get to get back to the middle, I think that's what you want to hear. Is this isn't a team that's just going to be trying to squeak in and be the Dallas Stars and get the eight seed every year? They're trying to get back to where they were, and that's going to be a miserable, awful, terrible process. But you know, Kyle Davidson seems like a guy who's he's all in on that process. Yeah, and that's and that they have to be. I just it's it's yeah. Right now, it's not even you know the tenth seed. It's it's the being the twenty fifth team, and and that's what they've been as of late. And it, it this this was, you know, I know there were things that went against the Blackhawks this year, but Stan Bowman went for it all this year in a lot of ways, especially the Seth Seth Jones trade, and they fell very, very far short. And they were probably going to come back with with largely the same team again next season. And um, so yeah, I think I think change is necessary, and I know that we didn't get into home Strom and Kubalik. We've asked them before, but I, I think you know I, I think that's the bigger picture for him. Is they're gone. That, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty clear they're yeah, gone. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, but I just I, I think the bigger picture is that it's uh, we can't run back the same team because these are the results that we continue to you know like even bringing back Kane and Taves like it has to be within our in his terms you know within within the salary cap it has to be within development like they. He he can't hand them both ten million dollar contracts. Like I mean, as he kind of got into about the cap space, like they they want the flexibility. They're not gonna um, they're not gonna go into two seasons from now paying DeBrinket Jones, Cannon Tays 40, 40 plus million. Like it just it eliminates all that flexibility. So I I think too that he understands uh, that he has to keep himself open to to all those possibilities because you don't want to restrict yourself during this rebuild because that's yeah I guess that's how you end up where you're at again too. So. Um, yeah, it was All good. Right, well, I, you know, I, yeah. obviously something we've we've been hoping to do for a little bit, and appreciate uh, Kyle giving us all that time. And yeah, everyone um, can yell at us for the questions we didn't ask in the comments or on oh, Twitter sure, and sure. Uh, criticize our interviewing. But uh, you know, all in all, <laughs> he was pretty good. Um, until next time, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about next time. I am Mark Lazarus. That's Scott Powers. This is Lazen Powers. Bye. 
Vai. I can help even just a little 